Hey guys, I'm Jonathan Hilliard from Connects Media and host of Atlanta Born and Brand. We understand that many of you are struggling, and we want to help the community of business owners that we have grown to know and love over the last two years. Right now, we're all in a season of uncertainty with the virus, and the small businesses in our community need your support more than ever. Today, we're going to spotlight Rashid Phillips, owner of Phillips Barbecue Company. We spoke with Rashid not too long ago, back in August of 2019. He started this business almost by accident, but now is well on his way to becoming an Atlanta staple. Here are a few ways that you can help Rashid right now. One, buy some barbecue, y'all. Phillips Barbecue is offering weekly barbecue box meal deliveries. Email info at philipsbarbecueco.co to order. You can check out the full menu on our Instagram, at atlbornbrand, or head to liftatl2020.com. You can find Rashid on social media, at philipsbarbecueco, or head to www.philipsbarbecueco.com. If you know of a small business in need of help at this time, please share their story with us. Use the hashtag LiftATL2020. We are building a database of social media posts, graphics, and audio clips for you to download, share, and use how you see fit. We hope all of you will latch onto this cause and share the needs of those in our community. For more information, visit LiftATL2020.com. From Connects Media, this is Atlanta Born and Brand. I'm your host, Jonathan Hilliard. Atlanta Born and Brand is a show all about businesses that are being built right here in the capital of the South. But more importantly, it's a show about their founders. We wanted to find some of the city's most interesting entrepreneurs and creators, hear about their challenges, successes, and how they built a brand that will last. But more importantly, we want to introduce these founders, brands, and businesses to the city they live in, their neighbors, to make sure Atlanta and the brands that call it home can thrive for generations to come. Today, we meet another solo entrepreneur who is making big waves with some huge flavors. Rashid Phillips is the owner of Phillips Barbecue Co. However, his journey to a culinary lifestyle has been anything but textbook. It started almost completely by accident, and a few short years later, Sheed is well on his way to making a major name for himself in Atlanta. It's our pleasure to introduce Rashid Phillips of Phillips Barbecue Co. If somebody came up to you on the street and you introduced yourself and they asked you what you do, what's the 30-second the rundown of what you would tell them? What do you do? I don't even think it would take 30 seconds. As, yeah. uh, I make people smile through food. Yeah. That's, uh, that's sort of it. I, I enjoy what I do, and luckily what I do allows people to sort of uh, smile and enjoy that end result, that yeah. process. And it just so happens that it comes through barbecue. Sure. And uh, it's kind of an amazing feeling. That's that it really is. A, there's a I have a really deep connection to food, and I feel like everyone has a deep connection to food. Yeah. And whenever they can get something that tastes good and it's different from what they're used to, mm-hmm. they're really, really happy and excited about it. And it's it's tied into memories for a lot of people, you know, especially if you get you know like a flavor from you know an old family member that maybe isn't around anymore, or you know, uh, uh, something that mom used to cook, like yeah. it brings people back. Definitely, you know, it's, got, definitely. it's got a power that way for sure. It really does. You know, I get a lot of the time, um, oh, you know, my grandfather used to have a smoker and, you know, I'd help him stack wood <laughs> stories or, you know, my, my dad and I used to, uh, barbecue and grill out all the time. You know, everyone's yeah. got a grilling story. Everyone just has a food story in general. Sure. Um, and then everyone just wants to know about the process. Even people who don't yeah. barbecue, they just want to talk about it all day because they're <laughs> fans. You know, I didn't know there was barbecue yeah. fans, but I, I think people just want to understand it more because they, they they see everything. They don't think they can sure. do it. And it's like, no, it's not as hard as you think it is. It's just a lot of time and dedication. And if you yeah. put both of those two together, it's going to come out really, really good. Well, and you're, you're kind of in the perfect spot for it, right? Because you're right smack in the middle of... Um, sort of this barbecue region where you've got different styles coming from like the Carolinas and Texas and yeah. like the, the Mississippi, Louisiana region. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, when I was growing up here, it was kind of like everybody had their spot that had one of those types of barbecue places. Yeah. But now it seems like 
in Georgia, we're creating a little bit more of an identity as far as like our own style of barbecue goes. Yeah, and that's my thing, you know. Uh, whenever people think barbecue, they immediately think Kansas City or Texas. Yeah. You know, I, I want to do my part to bring Georgia on the map more to the forefront hmm. of barbecue. Um, and I think that's going to be based on me just continuing my own style because I don't really do a Texas style and don't really do a Kansas City style. You yeah. Know? Just sort of incorporating my own using things that are local to my region and things sure. that I'm aware of. And I think that can really help bring more and more attention to Georgia barbecue. Yeah. And I think that's really important. It shouldn't be overlooked. You know, people come here for a lot of different things, sports and so forth. But yeah. there's a crazy cool food culture, not just hmm. barbecue, but just food culture here as well. Yeah. That people need to be aware of and get to know Georgia for as well. Definitely. Well, take me back to the beginning, man. Where did you grow up and, and how did you kind of, how did the roots sort of get planted for this, this future in food for you? Um, it's weird. I don't have that typical story, you know, mm-hmm. growing up in the kitchen with my grandma, watching her cook. No, that wasn't that yeah. wasn't my gig. I did um, used to go out on the boat with my grandfather a lot, okay. who was a fisherman. He owned a fishing company, and he'd always take me out there and uh, show me how to fish and show me how to repair nets and just show me basically how to use my hands to get things done. Yeah. And then uh, growing up in Jamaica, we came to the States uh, when I was about 12 or so. Um, we had a lot of family spread around, but family would arrive at dinner time. Hmm. You know, they'd all come through for, you know, different little gatherings, but food was always like the main star that brought everyone in. And yeah. I guess that sort of like uh, stuck in the back of my mind for forever. And I just enjoyed cooking. Um, sure. One of my most embarrassing stories, uh, and my mother will probably never, ever, ever let me live it down, was... I had to make macaroni for my brother and I for dinner. Yeah. I think I was in like middle school or something. And I, it was like easy mac box and I put too much milk and creams and all this stuff. <laughs> like I was trying to get fancy like I was, saw Emerald do. Uh-huh. And it just turned out soupy. Like the, the cheese broth was just soup basically right. with macaroni. It was macaroni soup. Yeah. And... Uh, my brother ate it because he didn't know any better. He's a kid. He's like, yeah, this is great. And then the next night, my mom's making dinner, and my brother goes, oh, mom, can you make uh, the soupy macaroni, that <laughs> the, the macaroni that you can drink like what she did? Yeah. It's like, oh. So that's like my earliest fail yeah. in regards to food. And then uh, from there, I just never stopped cooking little <laughs> things, but nothing extravagant. But uh I would always watch cooking shows, and, you know, I was a kid who actually rented out Julia Child's cookbook. Nice. Because I, I liked it. I was like, man, this is pretty cool, but I never did anything with it. Sure. Um, it wasn't until years and years later that a buddy of mine was getting married, and he was like, hey, could you cater our wedding? I was like, wait, what? I don't do this, like, because I'd always bring my lunch in. I'd always cook for myself. He's like, hey, could you help, please? It was, it was a really tight-knit environment to yeah. where, like, everyone was helping each other anyway you right. know we had our friends that were in the uh, band who made music that were playing music there for the wedding yeah I said sure um so we went to sam's club the night before his wedding wow. like, yeah this isn't gonna be scary at all <laughs> and we just loaded up <laughs> we just loaded yeah. up uh, a couple of carts yeah. and i spent the whole night and in, into the early morning prepping and oh, cooking gosh. everything and then dropped it off at the church and caught a shower and was like sort of hiding in the back when the food was being served like oh yeah. man i hope this doesn't flop i really hope this doesn't flop and everyone loved it what'd you make i made mac and cheese yeah. <laughs> this time it wasn't soupy. not the soupy variety not, not the soupy <laughs> variety i made mac and cheese uh i grilled some chicken i did some fried chicken hmm. um did some pasta dishes as well it was because it was a monstrous uh wedding and i just wanted dishes that i knew that could really yield and go a long way and people really enjoyed it Um, (laughs) and I ran into him you know just before I started the business again uh, and he said hey man you know people still talk about the food at our wedding Wow! like why aren't you doing something with this and (laughs) I said I don't know I didn't have an answer so I decided to change that so how old were you when you catered that wedding I was in my early 20s. Yeah. Really, really early 20s. And didn't and you, uh, I guess you had something else going on. You hadn't even pursued the food yeah, route I at all nev- at that point. I never really thought you could make a living hmm. fully doing that because, honestly, I didn't see anyone like me yeah. making a living 
doing it. So I was like, eh, you know, I'll stick to what I know right? type of thing and continue that route. And the more and more I got into it, the more and more I wanted to share. <laughs> and the more and more I realized, hey, if this doesn't work, I can always go back to what I was doing. Sure. But I know I'm going to regret never trying. Um, so a buddy of mine, um, Lee, we started recording myself making little things and we'd have a little fun with it post up, post up on different sites here and there and then it just went from that to oh but this could actually be a real thing yeah uh, i sort of clicked like wait no this is this is good because uh all your friends will love your food right they'll, they'll always tell you your food is great your yeah. family will tell you your food is great and i was akin it to everyone's seen um america's got talent or something like that where right. the singer comes out and she's just belting it out and the whole audience is like why didn't anyone tell her she's working <laughs> like no one in her family loved her enough to stop her yeah. before this phase and i always thought that was me like guys don't let me go out on stage yeah. and just make a fool of myself so i started feeding strangers uh sure. started feeding like the local police department fire departments and you know our first responders type of thing just to get their response yeah gauge how you're doing yeah and yeah. they they loved it. It wasn't just because it was so, free food. They just genuinely loved it. Yeah. And I just kept growing from there. So when you uh, when you came from Jamaica, did you guys come straight to Atlanta? No, I think all Jamaicans, there's only like really two routes for us. Mm. It's uh, either go to Miami or go to New York. Okay. We went through New York. Gotcha. And uh, growing up there for a couple of years was really exciting because there's such a crazy eclectic culture yeah there on top of just food there's no everything in the world you want to eat the best food in the world just go to new york for the summer and just yeah. travel around but yeah we came through uh new york and then from new york uh stayed in philly for a little while with some family mm-hmm. and virginia and then settled in maryland for a while and maryland is how i made my way down south and so when you made um when you came from jamaica was it uh, just your immediate family, or what? what yeah, was it was the just story it was, there? it was just my immediate family. Yeah. Um, my mom, uh, the folks, my little brother, and then it took a while until we got down to Georgia for us to actually be able to get my grandmother down here. Mm-hmm. Um, and once we did, everything sort of fell in a place. It just felt like home again. Yeah. Um, but it's it was it was it was great. It's a different experience, but I'm happy that I grew up where I did mm. and came here because it sort of puts things in perspective. Sure. Like, uh, no matter how bad things get, if I end up where I started as a kid, it's still pretty great because I had yeah. a great childhood. You know, sure. no complaints over there. Oceanfront, the best things in life. You know? Yeah. So, it, it was it was a real great and um experience for me, and I'm really happy that I went through it because it's definitely shaped who I am and how I perceive things now. Sure, you got a good perspective because yeah. of the kind of the the situation you were you're brought up in for sure. Um, that's cool, man. So. Are you first introduced to barbecue when you finally made it to the South? When did you kind of develop a love for, for barbecue? A uh, love for barbecue, I'd say, I guess I could say when I came to the South, mm-hmm. uh, but introduced to it, like in Jamaica, we do a lot of barrel cooking too. Yeah. Um, indirect and direct heat, but majority is direct heat, but it's mm-hmm. literally uh, oil barrel that's been burnt out until yeah. it's safe to use. And, you know, that's how you get your best food, your jerk chicken, your, yeah. your oxtail, stuff like that. It's on the curbside food. It's street jerk food. Jerk chicken, man. Love jerk it chicken. It is really good if you can get it done right. Yeah. It takes a process. You know, real jerk doesn't come in a jar is what I tell people. Right. Yeah, you got to make that stuff yourself. Yeah. Um, but that would have been my initial introduction. And then coming to the South, I saw and tasted different foods, a lot of different forms of barbecue. But the thing that just kept getting to me was um, a lot of this is just all sauce. Mm. You know, I was like, man, this is a lot of sauce here. Like every region is known for a sauce. Like right. Carolina's, you know, you got a vinegar pepper or mustard based sure. or come here, you got uh, peaches and sweets. So it's like, this is really good. It's not bad, but how does it, does the food taste good without mm. anything on it? Yeah. And um, that was sort of a question I wanted to answer <laughs> earlier on when I started. A lot of times the answer is no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I've been to a lot of like the big name places, and they're all great guys, great, you know, stuff like that. But I'm like, you know, this is just really sauce. You guys yeah. make a killer sauce and good meat. Why sure. don't you flip it? And yeah. uh, that's something that I I changed in my route was I don't offer sauce. Yeah, it's not there. Uh, it doesn't need it, and everyone always asks uh, who's ever come to the first time. Like if yeah. it's their first time coming to one of my events. 
oh, do you have any barbecue sauce? I'm like, no. And then they'd look yeah. at me with a sideways <laughs> face. Like, what do you mean you don't have any barbecue sauce? Listen, go to philipsbarbecueco.com and the, the main picture on your page here and then tell me that you want to put sauce on that. <laughs> like, no thanks. There, there's, there's no need. But, there's but no that need. seems to be a trend too, though, especially with some of the, the newer places here in town that I've noticed is getting away from that. Over saucing or saucing things in the back and yeah. bringing it to you with sauce already on it, they're at least giving you the option now to mm-hmm. say, "Hey, if you don't want it, you know, we're not going to hide our food behind sauce." On some yeah. of the newer, newer places, yeah, but definitely. yeah, that was definitely a thing. Um, kind of when I was growing up, you know, you'd, like you said, the Carolinas, you'd go to a place and they'd bring you like a pulled pork sandwich that was just like. 90% sauce, 10% yeah. meat. Doused. You know? Just Unbelievable. Like, would you like some meat with that sauce? Yeah, exactly. But, so, you already, uh, you, we alluded to it before we started recording, but barbecue is not the easiest thing <laughs> to cook by any stretch of the imagination. No. When you started cooking for yourself did you always know hey barbecue is what i i want to do or did you kind of slide into that because that's what you were best at how did how did you kind of settle into that um i didn't think barbecue was going to be like the end all be all but i knew i was good at it and yeah. i had a different way of, of of approaching it um i'm not classically trained or anything mm. you know the closest thing i've had is a home economics class in like the seventh grade wow that's that's pretty much it and i just picked up knife skills from there and that's yeah. really what i've carried on um but i came across barbecue and stuck with it because it's relaxing mm. you have to slow down you cannot rush it you sure. you you can't i don't care what video you see of a two hour or three hours, you know, smoke yeah. brisket run. That's, I'm not eating a brisket made in three hours. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I'm sorry. That just scares me. Yeah. Um, but it, barbecue forces you to slow down. You have to pay attention. You just have to let things go at its own pace. And it's a <laughs> great thing. It's more calming than cooking yeah. for me. Uh, all other forms, they're not bad. No, like those fine dining cuisines are amazing, but those guys always look stressed. Hmm. Like they've got 17 different tweezers. They're plucking yeah. rose petals, seed leaves or whatever, pollen on a place, which I'm sure looks great. But uh, you guys can't see, but I'm a giant guy. <laughs> I can't do uh, that type of level of food. I don't need a 17-inch plate and a one-inch piece of meat. Right. doesn't work for me. So barbecue. <laughs> the proportions aren't good there. <laughs> it's not. Not yeah. for me. So, um with barbecue, I get to feed people how I like to eat, you know, and part of that, too, is my learning through the process of how I've revamped my menu uh, from the start to now. When I started, I was serving everything under the sun, yeah. like uh, wings, tacos, pulled pork tacos, burgers, turkey. I mean, mm. everything was gone there. I realized, eh, let me just find the things I'm really, really good at Simplify, and perfect those. Yeah. yeah, you know, sort of like Kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. And I was being extremely stupid at the mm. beginning, but that's part of the learning process. Absolutely. Uh, you have to know you're going to fail and be okay with that and just keep going. Yeah. And uh, I made the adjustments to now the box I brought you is what we serve. It's just yeah. one box. Everyone's asked what's on the menu. It's one thing. It's sure. a box, brisket, ribs, pulled pork, mac and cheese, and smoked baked beans. Heck yes. Simplify it. These yeah. are what I do extremely well, and I'm going to make sure you enjoy it. Right. So what were you doing at the time when you decided to to dive into uh, to catering? I was uh, doing photography. Yeah. Um, I was a freelance photographer for Starwood. I was traveling around shooting, you know, Ritz, W's, all that type of fun stuff. And yeah. It was great. I loved it. And I um, had a great time with it. Yeah. <laughs> People ask, well, how did you stop? I was like, well, I can always go back to that. I'm never sure. going to forget how to take a photo. Sure. I'm never going to forget the skills. I spent years practicing and honing it. Uh, that explains a lot, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everyone always says, why are your photos so good? Well, you know, <laughs> in the life before smoke, I sort of did something. Before life before smoke. Yeah. I like that. Like and uh, that's it. I said, and, and I went into it thinking, hey, if the food sucks, at least the photos look really, right. really good. <laughs> right. You at least get people in the door. Exactly. You know, with, with exactly. Some Let photos. me lure you in. But yeah. That's right. How long did you do that for? For photography? Yeah. I, I picked up a camera when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. I, once again, just didn't think anyone made a living. I never thought 
I never put the two and two together that photography was so prevalent. Yeah. You know? Um, but I, I was literally recording everything in high school, taking photos. I was on the part of the yearbook team, submitting images and <laughs> stuff like that. And it was throughout college that I actually went really, really uh, head first into it yeah. and started photographing. And I went through the routes that everyone else does. You know, um, my buddy Maine and I, we both started doing like the club photo scenes like everyone yeah. does. That's yep. real popular now. Um uh, worked with the different brands at the time. Then I moved over to doing weddings. Hmm. And I was doing weddings like two, three years. It's a beast of a job. It man. is. Oh, my gosh. And we were, I was being uh, contracted out through this company back then called Black Tie Events. Hmm. And was doing like three to four weddings a weekend. I oh. was all over Georgia just getting spent. Yeah. And I said, there's got to be an easier way. Like, this isn't for me. Yeah. Um, this it was fun but then i came across architectural photography <laughs> and i realized i was good at it because buildings don't move they yep. don't get tired and i can just keep shooting until i get it right right and i was just practicing 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 i was uh lucky enough to make friends with zach arius and go to a couple of his workshops and go to a studio and get feedback hmm. and that's when it changed my approach because he just completely demolished my portfolio Wow. Like, I wanted to become a dentist after his uh, review. <laughs> it was so bad. He's like, this is what you call it. This is our photo. I was like, whatever. And he just pulled up shots. He's like, do this. This is what you need to be yeah. getting right at. So I did it. Just right. kept practicing and practicing. And uh, it got me a lot of cool gigs. I'll never forget. My yeah. mom saw one of my pieces in a magazine, and she was so excited. And I was <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Well, if you go down 85, there's a giant billboard of it, too. Yeah. <laughs> So it was it, that was it was a fun fun time. I really enjoyed that, and so I you, still shoot every once in a while. You got a little bit of a different story than a lot of entrepreneurs in that it sounds like you had a career that you're really enjoying. Oh yeah, and then you had this kind of like this dream or this side hustle almost mm -hmm. that just got so loud in the background that it was kind of hard to ignore. It really was. Um, the first thing that really happened was. Uh, a real good friend of mine, Michelle Fontaine, she used to design the cans for Creature Comforts. Mm. And she was just like, hey, if you ever want to get to one of these breweries, I have a contact. I can at least introduce you. I can knock on the door and introduce you. Yeah. And she did that. And I wanted to approach things differently because I think business in general, it doesn't go the way it should now. Mm -hmm. So I contacted them and said, hey, I want to feed you guys lunch. And they said, what's the catch? I said, no catch. Just tell me how many of the guys there are. I want yeah. to feed everyone, all of your employees. What day is everyone there? They're like, oh, all right. Um, they're like Wednesday, they're, everyone's here because we do a meeting. Mm -hmm. It's like, all right, great. It's like, is it cool if I pull up like real early Wednesday, like two or three in the morning? I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I uh, drove up there. I had my like oklahoma joe smoker from home depot that i was you know cooking on yeah and i sat up and i just smoked all morning all morning wow. and then the afternoon when everyone came and i just fed them yeah. i fed everyone that worked at creature comforts and they loved it uh i made pulled pork um smoked chicken and some mac yeah and they loved it that was smart that you did it there too yeah. and that you didn't do it at home just show up for five minutes roll out your mm. you know your tin foil and your uh a little heating you know, trays and yeah your like heating that. trays you kind of you put yourself in it and let them get the opportunity all morning to kind of you know watch you in the background there doing your thing showing showing the work ethic showing the process and i'm sure after they ate there was a deeper connection to what you were doing because you had kind of been there it was because all throughout yeah. the day, people were just sort of peeking out, like, yeah. "Who is this guy? What's he? What's he doing? And, right. you know, what's the catch? Is he? Is can he be here?" Type of thing. And my <laughs> buddy Lee's just filming the whole thing, and we're chatting with some of the people yeah. coming by, and um, I fed them, and they loved it, and they said, "We'd love to have you up here." <laughs> uh, and they said, "You know, we're it's going to be one of the first home games for UGA. Would you be able to come up?" I yeah. said, "Sure." I, I learned a long time ago. Um, just say yes and worry about the rest later. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite books, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, is just mm. based on that. And I said yes. I didn't have a big enough smoker to feed the crowds that I thought I was going to have. Yeah. 
So I found a builder, got a built, bought a smoker, did everything extremely fast, you know. Mm. And we came back, did the first event, and we had a monstrous line. I mean, the line was so long, one of the owners of Creature Comforts came by and said, we've never even had bear line releases this long. Like, do you realize you're wrapped around the corner? Yeah. I said, no, no, I do not, because I've been here. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and it just sort of kept going from there, and I, yeah. that's when it clicked. It was at that moment I was like, okay, one or two people liking it, yeah, but I have a line like this, and people are genuinely right. just interested in enjoying it. People are leaving your line, obviously, and going to tell people about yeah, it at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I just said, okay, I've, I've got to go for it. I've got yeah. to go for it so I can pick up the camera at any point in time. And when, when was that event? That was, what was it, um, tw- October 2016. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, it was just before my birthday because I remember thinking, I'm either going to have a really good birthday celebrating or I'm going to be depressed drinking all the hurt away. <laughs> <laughs> with creature comforts. <laughs> yeah. With, like, at least I'll get a six-pack yeah. six out of it Right. All. No doubt. So that's, the, that's sort of the origins. Yeah. Did you know at that point that you were going to kind of go all in on the catering side or did you have thoughts that okay this is just like a temporary thing before you know maybe we try to open a brick and mortar what was your your initial kind of goal and plan uh, to start out with uh not to fail miserably Hmm. to be perfectly honest with you i always yeah Yeah. it was just to say yes and i got told no so many times people don't understand how much rejection i got Hmm. Uh, because i literally after that event I'm extremely determined. Like, once I put my mind to something, it's getting done. I don't care what it is. It's getting done. And I've just always been an entrepreneur, so that wasn't yeah. going to stop me. But I would literally sit and cold call every mm. brewery that I could find. And I got told no a lot. Yeah. So I, got, I started getting told no so much that I said, you know what? Let me start playing by my rules. And mm. I just started showing up. Started showing up at breweries like, hey, guys, it's lunchtime. Yeah. I'm here to feed you. It's like, I try to yeah. reach out, haven't heard back. Want to give you guys some lunch. Hope you guys enjoy it. And I just yeah. kept doing that over and that's over awesome. and over. And that's how I built my name and uh, got in front of these people. Because yeah. they're so busy. Everyone's always coming with a handout, wanting right. something. I said, no, let me just keep giving something nonstop. And yeah. I would go to places two or three times until they're like, all right, cool. Let's give this guy a shot. Yeah. Give and instead of take. Exactly. Immediately. And, yeah. and it worked out. And at those phases I was just trying to get in the door just making sure I was doing something sure. right getting in front of people so pop-ups really work for me uh, I still don't have a brick and mortar yet and it's still something that I want to do in the future mm. but what I found right now is it's easier and it's better for me to get to a couple hundred people than to get yeah. a couple hundred people to me sure. that works out for me so I'll do the bigger caterings I'll do the corporate gigs and such but my enjoyment out of it all is just the pop-ups, you know. Yeah. Bringing my big smoker pearl out. Kids love seeing it. <laughs> you know, adults love seeing it. I saw that thing on Instagram, man. That thing is a monster. Yeah. I keep. I used to always tell people, like, it makes me look like a child and no one believed me. So that's why I took that photo <laughs> of me sitting on top of it. Like, now yeah. you get a, a, a real yeah. idea of just how large the smoker is. Well, and it's it's kind of cool because you're you're sort of gathering data in this whole process of mm-hmm. catering and doing these pop-ups. You're, you're experiencing different parts of town. Yeah. You're working with, I'm sure, different clientele in each area, the corporate side, the more family-organized yeah. events. And you're sort of all this time gathering data of, okay, this is where my stuff really, really pops. Yeah. And this is where maybe, you know... I would have to take a different approach. Exactly. So when the time does come, you've got all of that experience and that education to say, okay, this is the best sp- spot to start a full brick and mortar, or maybe this is the best spot to start up like a, a little kiosk, like um, you know, Fox Brothers has like the little yeah, kiosk yeah, up underneath, kiosk over there. Um, you know, eighty five yeah. over there. So you've got like it's it's not a you know it's not a you know, I don't know what I'm trying to say, a fruitless endeavor no, no. To, to keep catering around all over the place. No, not at all. I, uh, I run the business, not like a food business, but like mm. a tech business. So mm. I use the pop-up events. That's my marketing. Yeah. I, I don't have thousands of thousands of dollars for, you know, sure. billboards, magazine ads, radio, airtime. Yeah. So I get out in front of the people and those are my marketing 
uh, events, yeah. getting in front of people, letting them see me, meet me, see the smoker, try it themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, you're hanging out in line waiting for your order. Cool. Slice up some extra brisket for you. Munch on that. So yeah. it gets you really involved in everything that's going on. And that's how I've met and gotten a lot of my larger um, corporate gigs or uh, my weddings or, you know, gotten subscription gigs, things like that. Um, one of the things that works best for me right now is I do these private wine events in uh, Alpharetta at this place called Tinderbox. Yeah. Great guys, uh, Mark and Jen. And I met them just being me, act of kindness. Mm. Uh, we were all at an event vending at Jekyll Brewing one day and... When you're in the food game long enough, you can tell when someone's hungry, like they've just had a long day, like they're lightheaded type of thing. Yeah. And I saw that, and I just brought her some food. And she asked how much. I'm like, no, we're both out here. Everyone's out here. Yeah. Just get your grub on. I can tell you sure. need a bite to eat. Didn't think anything of it. Uh, continued on with the day. Yeah. Uh, I was about to break down, and then this guy comes back and just drops a bunch of cigars on my desk because that's what they she was selling. So yeah. um, I didn't order these. I think you may have gotten <laughs> the wrong guy. And he's like, no, um, this is for you. You took care of my lady. You didn't want anything. Yeah. You, you didn't have to do that. And I appreciate that. It's <laughs> like, oh, man, thank you. Yeah, and then, paying uh, it forward. Exactly. Yeah. And a little while later, I, I um, went to them and I said, hey, do you guys ever do any tastings at your wine shop? And they said, we do wine tastings, but we never have any food. I said, you guys want to <laughs> team up? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's been working out ever yeah. since. It's been a great thing. It's, it's fun. Awesome. We've got another one coming up real soon. And it's just a great way to meet people. Yeah. And I love that this thing that's growing so much and taking off started with just a very random act of genuine kindness. Sure. And uh, I try to tell people the right thing to do is always the right thing to do. No, you know, no. don't always focus on just the business aspect of it. Sometimes you just have to yeah. do what's right. Well, I think something I've learned in almost three years of running my own business now is that the relationships that you build are ultimately a lot more richer than uh, or they're a lot richer than just increasing your your end of the day profits so if you can have if you end up having a smaller clientele of people that really know your business love your business um, you know care about you are going to you know be invested in helping you grow by spreading the word that's going to be a lot more valuable than okay, maybe if I went to this certain spot or maybe if I didn't talk to anybody and I just put my head down for, you know, three yeah, weeks yeah. and just cranked out stuff, you know, then then I'd be able to grow faster or whatever it is. If you invest in building those relationships and like you said, pay it forward, yeah. that's always going to be, you're just going to go to sleep better at night, I think, ultimately. You will, and you'd be really surprised. You know, people don't understand it takes a long time. Mm-hmm. What's in the news now, uh, Jay-Z just became a billionaire, mm-hmm. and it's like, wow, yeah, well, he was always had money. Uh, yeah, but it took him 20 years to become a billionaire. Yeah. Like, you can't really yeah. rush this. Um, that's kind of shocking, yeah, yeah, when you think about it. That's a long time. That's right. You've got to invest. Like, how long or how much do you want it? You know, I think if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you've got to be an entrepreneur. You can't say, okay, it's getting hard. It's been a rough couple of months. I'm quitting. Well, if you were going to quit two years in, you might as well have not started at all because you've wasted all that time. Just stick with it. Um, A lot of what's going on with the business now has grown from just genuine things. You know, Mm -hmm. the podcast we shoot just started because... I would do charity events with the radio station. Hmm. You know, and I'll just give back food. Kids are a big thing. Like, I love helping out kids. You know, yeah. I, I grew up. I know how it is. You know, want to do certain activities and such and may not always have the funds to do so. Hmm. So anything to do, like, charities where I can raise uh, funds for kids or do any type of donations, I'm in. And that's yeah. what I did with the station. And uh, we kept doing that. And Jason one day called and said, hey, I've got this thing rattling around in my head and I want you to be a part of it. Nice. And I'm all in. That's awesome. And tell people about the po- that podcast, too, because uh, I know podcast listeners are always looking for one more to, yeah, yeah. to enjoy. Um, so we shoot a podcast called Shoot to Grill. Mm-hmm. It's on all of your podcast platforms right now. And we call it Grilltainment because it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> grilling meets entertainment. Yeah. You know, Jason Bailey will bring on various guests and... We'll find out what they like to eat, and I'll make something completely different. Yeah. And I'm just there cooking. You know, he's the stick man, I'm the straight man in the setup. 
and it's just a great time overall. I love the fact that I just get to, hey, we're meeting up every Wednesday. We're going to hang out. We're going to make some really good food, have some yeah. great conversation, and relax. And I meet such dope people. Like uh, last week, I got to hang out with Diamond Dallas Page, 12-year-old <laughs> me. He's like, there's no <laughs> way ever. Like, how's, and he's just the coolest guy. He's, he's an Atlanta so guy now, right? He lives yeah, around. Yeah. He's, he, gotcha. he's here. And, uh um, you know, next week I'm hanging out with Montel Jordan. Uh, so, okay. And that's, you know, it's 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 crazy. Got to hang out with Super Bowl champion Randy Cross talking about yeah. so many great guys that all love barbecue. Mm-hmm. And they want to come to me for a little tips and tricks and how to do it. And it's always it's always a good time. Yeah. So it's if you love food, if you love sports or music, rock, or just need something to listen to on the commute, definitely something to check out. Yeah, 100%. So something that I'm really impressed with, uh, Rashid, is the way you've branded your business oh. so early on in the process. And I think, you know, a lot of people would have started out, you know, with these dreams of a brick and mortar and, okay, this is going to be the name of the shop. And maybe they would have done catering to get that started, mm-hmm. but they wouldn't have invested the time uh, and energy into building a brand like what I've seen you just in the short amount of time I've been, you know, watching you from afar. Like if, if people pull up your Instagram, they would just assume that, you know, this is this great barbecue brand that's been around for years in Atlanta, you know, and okay, where's a shop? I'm sure (laughs) you get messages like that all the time. I'm sure. At least two, three times a week. That's see. And, and that's awesome. That's what you want, right? Because, you know, if the time does come, you know, to um, you know, to open that shop, you've got that that momentum already going. Exactly. Tell me about the process of of uh, coming up with um, your brand, the name. I know you, you kind of started off on a little bit of a different yeah, path, yeah. I love and to you kind of uh, kind of uh, evolved from there. Yeah, it's um, it's it's. I went through like uh, so now uh, the the name is finally stuck. It's Phillips Barbecue Co. Prior to it, it was food. And um, food just came about because it sounds the same, but it's something different. Mm. And that's what I was building the business off of was it's things you're used to, but prepared in a way you haven't had it before. Yeah. You know, there's a lot more stuff done behind the scenes. And food, food was great. Food, uh, P-H-U-D. P-H-U-D, yeah. exactly. And uh, I, people would say, is that FUD and this and that? And I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> and that was part of my opener with it. Yeah. And uh, I built up that name and I started with that. You know, I went through so many renditions of a, a logo design with it and mm. was going and going. And any other entrepreneurs out there, it's going to happen. Just so you know, you're going to start off with one idea and you're going to think it's the best idea and you're going to think it's the best look for you and you're going to run with it. And you may change. And you that it. is yeah. okay. It is literally okay. It continuously happens. Like, uh, if once again, I got to go back to a shoe dog. If you read the book, you know, Nike was almost called like, uh, Matrix Facts 3000 <laughs> and good thing Phil Knight had a lot of people around him that said that's a horrible Bad name. Plan, dude. We're not going to go with yeah. that but it was really going to be named something completely ridiculous. <laughs> you know, It started as Blue Ribbon. Just doesn't have the same hit right. as Nike does, does it? No. So I um, uh, went through that change, you know, went through the name change and it really came this year actually is when I m- made the change and it came after a night with some extremely influential people I'll only mentioned two of them but uh got to hang out with b uh brian Furman from b's crackling barbecue mm-hmm. and matt horn from horn barbecue in oakland california yeah and uh we just had a crazy discussion all night and um I asked B, I was like, hey, you know, I've been following you for a long time. Like, you gave me advice way back. You know, what made you change the name? He said, because I want to have my name out there. He was like, I put my work on this. This is me. He Now he literally has his face yeah. uh, on everything. I said, that's amazing. And they all loved what I was doing, but I'll never forget before I, I left, Matt was just like, you know, you should, you should try naming it after yourself. Let people mm. know who you are. Um, you put a lot into this. This is yours. It's okay to put yeah. your name on it. And literally that night, the whole night seemed like a dream because so much more happened. <laughs> I woke up the next morning, you know, getting a message from B. And I was like, wow, okay, that really happened. I need to make a change. So I spent mm-hmm. the whole week 
revamping drawings coming up with a font type like yeah. what would work right making sure the domains and all the social media stuff was usable and it wasn't I took off running and I, I didn't ease into it I just made a hard turn said hey this is what it is now right. this is what's going on I put up a little video explaining why and I haven't looked back since I don't I know it will never change because sure. just like I put out there when you put your name on something you have to stand by it right. and that's what I'm doing with this uh, Phillips Barbecue Co is me I'm yeah. the face this is what I'm doing and I will always make sure it's going to be great because my name is literally on the end product. Yeah, and that means something. It really does. It really does. A name goes a long way (laughs) and having started the business where my name didn't mean anything to now if you tell people I'm like, oh yeah, he's got Korea Barker. Yeah, we want to have him here. You know? Yeah. Uh, I get asked what's been the biggest change since I started and uh, biggest change is I don't get told no anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Not in a conceited way but I don't get told no anymore. Um, we're just booked out and busy and it's a really good thing and a great feeling. Well, I'm not going to lie to you, Sheed, uh, cold calling was definitely (laughs) not ideal for you because I'm going to be honest with you, you, if you haven't seen pictures of Rashid, he'd be a hard person to say no to in person. (laughs) I mean, you're like, what, 6'3", 6'4"? 6'6". 6'6", Yeah. (laughs) Six yeah. six two sixty five. Just a knocking on doors a was the right house. approach. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> was the right approach uh, to that. But you, you mentioned a little bit, um, you know, your propensity to put out videos. Yeah, and um, I've kind of been you know checking out your YouTube and obviously your Instagram for a long time. You are all about kind of documenting the journey yeah. that you're going on. Yeah. And I think that's super helpful for other people that are, might be in the same boat as you, trying to start, um, you know, the path to turning their dream into uh, their nine to five or their day job. Yeah. Talk about why you're doing that and why that's such a big part of, of who you are at this point. Could you imagine if tomorrow, like Jay-Z released a series of videos from when he was 21 all the way up to now? Crazy. Could, could you imagine if, you know, prior to Steve Jobs passing, like someone found a box of VHS or something that was just nothing but a friend recording every moment? Yeah. Or Elon Musk going through PayPal or Bezos had just some guy in the corner <laughs> shooting video when he had, you know, his uh, garage door as a desk type yeah. of thing. Like, why wait until you're at the the pinnacle of your career to start right. sharing the content I don't think it's too far fresh for me to believe that I'll get to a point where I can be influential in <laughs> the food arena and the barbecue scene yeah. and I want to document that process and also part of the documenting it and sharing it is I I had a lofty goal of 100 videos per day like I did a video one day every day I was going for 100 mm. and I was going to get there but I got slammed with the flu horribly like oh, I was set on bed rest for about two weeks. It was bad. So that's sort of what stopped it all just before the end. But I did 82 videos straight. Yeah. And it was just... 82 videos in 82 days. Exactly. Yeah. And it was just explaining what I was going through. Because when I started searching, I found a lot of, oh, yeah, we'll show you how to do this. Buy our, you know, $999 course or sign up for this $400 membership or, you know, come take our class in person and this. I was like, yeah. If you're an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, you don't have that money. No. And then it makes people feel discouraged because they feel like they can't invest in themselves. <laughs> I started food, the original business, with like $476 in a water jug jar that I'd save. I'd just throw change in. Yeah. And I just kept flipping that money until I had enough to buy the smoker. <laughs> and I think, you know, um, sharing that experience is really important with people to let yeah. them know you don't have to have everything to get where you need to be. Right. Make the best of what you do have and go from there. And documenting that and showing the mistakes. And I've, I explained a lot of my mistakes in the videos mm-hmm. as they were happening. You know, hey, this happened. I failed. This completely bombed. You know, I've done events where I've only made $50 yeah. and spent a couple hundred on food. Mm-hmm. It's part of the process. And I think showing people the failures motivates them a lot more than showing yeah, them the successes. Well, and it identifies people with your brand more because it feels human, yeah. you know, and it's not this, 
okay, when I start creating content, I'm I'm going to be at this certain level and yeah. I'm going to attain have attained this amount of success. It's no, here's just a look at somebody that's trying to build a business from scratch, yeah. you know, by yourself with like you said $475. Here we go. You know. This is what we can do and no it can happen. It can happen for anyone. You just have to be willing to be obsessed with it. Mm. You just have to know like this will consume you. If yeah. you're doing it right, if you're passionate about it, it will consume you. Sure. You will miss events. You will miss birthday parties. You may not always get to go out to dinner with friends or what have you, but that's just part of it right now. Yeah. If you're already doing that stuff, missing that stuff in a job you hate, you might as well roll the dice and do it with something you enjoy. No doubt. The clock only goes one way, right? So <laughs> I'm just trying to use my time the best I can while I got it. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. So we need to talk shop a little bit before we let you go. All right. Your uh, your go-to items. I want you to... T- let's talk brisket. <laughs> I love brisket. I love brisket. I don't think a lot of people understand how involved uh, <laughs> that finished product is. Talk yeah. me through the process that you go through every time you're going to do a smoked brisket. Uh, I, I make sure that I get a good, nice, prime whole packer, uh, and I cook it whole. And I do a very light trim, you know. You've got cats out there like Franklin uh, saying, you know, leave this per- amount, this amount. It really just depends on your brisket, what you like, what your customers like, and what you're capable of doing. I yeah. leave a lot more on because I'm running mine 18, 20 hours. Yeah. I let that fat render out. Mm-hmm. But you get a good piece of brisket. You trim it. You get off all your hard fat and some of the meat you can, you wouldn't use. And then you sort of save that. You can turn it into some really great sausage, but that's mm-hmm. way down the line there. <laughs> um, and you do a light rub, something simple, something that you enjoy. I personally make my own smoked salt and pepper, mm-hmm. and that's what I use. And put that on, and then you pay attention to it. Because it may take 18 to 20 hours to make, but only 30 minutes to mess up. Yep. So you uh, trim it, wash. Uh, <laughs> I have a shirt coming out <laughs> about it. It says, uh, trim it, rub it, smoke it. <laughs> and that, <laughs> that's, that's, that's really what it is. You set it on there as far away from your fire source as humanly possible. Mm. And you just rotate it and tip it. People laughed the other day. I was doing... Uh, late cook at like four in the morning and, and I had you know six briskets and I was talking about hey guys make sure you tip your meat and people messaged me like were you joking I was like no seriously because it pulls that juices in the center and you don't want that soggy spot it ruins yeah. your bark tip all the meat juices off there and just keep rotating it make sure it gets a nice even yeah. cook let smoke do the work exactly yeah. get out the way and just trust in your smoker trust in what you're doing and have a lot more wood than you think you may need because mm-hmm. uh You'll 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 need it. You never want to run out. Yeah, a twelve hour fire takes a lot of wood. Yeah. Yes. No doubt. <laughs> yes, it does. Especially in that beast of a smoker that you oh got. Oh my gosh! It, t- it takes there. so takes so much just to get it up to temp. Yeah. And uh, just a quick little tip for anyone who's backyard barbecuing or whatever: um, always ramp up high. Get your smoker much higher than whatever you need it, because the second you open that lid and put your cold meat on. It's going to drop that temperature so yeah. fast. So yeah. I may cook at 225, but I'm, you know, loading my smoker at like 250, 275. Okay. Just because while I have that door open, the heat's escaping. Sure. And then I'm just putting, you know, sometimes hundreds of pounds of meat, you <laughs> know, just ice cold meat inside yeah. of a, a, an oven. It's going to drop the temperature. So a little, little there tip there. There you go. Pro tip. <laughs> And so you, you go through the process of smoking and you pull it off. Where, right. what do, you, where do you go from there? So after it's been smoking uh, for about 10 to 12 or just really depending on the the brisket, I'll wrap it in some butcher paper Mm. and that sort of stops any additional smoke from getting to the meat and just allows that heat to keep going. And I don't use foil because foil turns it into like an oven and can really mess up that bark that I've worked so hard for, bark that everyone loves. Butcher paper. Exactly. Do uh, butcher paper. You can get at your local like restaurant depot or order it online. Yeah and wrap and let it set and crank the smoker up a little bit then I start going at 250 hmm. and just let it ride out the rest of the night until that thing is jelly I think there's a video I have on Instagram where I'm like just flicking the end of the brisket on one side <laughs> and the whole <laughs> thing is just shimmying around Yeah, and that's sort of what you want to get it to then you right. take it off from there you don't touch it just let it rest for a couple hours wrap it in a towel 
putting in a cooler and just let it sit for a couple hours, let those juices get redistributed. Yeah. And let it cool down a bit. Slice and serve. Against the grain. Always, always, always against the grain. So you're a sliced guy. I am. Okay. I'm a, I'm a chopped man myself. I'm not gonna you know, lie to I, you. I like the presentation of the slice. You know, yeah. I feel like it looks it looks a little bit I'm better. I'm with you there. Just on the look aspect, it all tastes the same. It really does because with chopped, yeah. the good thing is you can chop a little bit of the lean with the fatty. Right. And you get a nice little mixture. Yeah. Um, but I just I just dig the way slice looks. You know, I guess it's yeah. the whole photo. Sure. Sure. It's definitely a <laughs> more photo friendly presentation, yeah. no doubt. And I think you know. I probably developed that preference from having average brisket no. and sliced feels like to me that it dries out a little easier. Uh, so yeah. when, you know, maybe it's overcooked or maybe it's, you know, it hasn't been preserved in the back as well, you know, sliced, you get a dry piece of sliced brisket. It's just like, like chewing oh, leather. Man. But yeah, no, well, that's great. That's good tips. I'm going to put that into practice here. Yeah, very, very soon. All done, but, uh, all right, she. Last thing I ask pretty much everybody on the show this question is, what does the future hold? What are your goals? Where do you see this thing in in ten years? In ten years, um, I'd like to see it influencing and encouraging and inspiring others to break out and go on their own. Mm. If I'm still doing pop ups and pulling pearl around, I'm perfectly content. If that means that has caused other people to say, hey, he did it, I can do it too. Yeah. Um, I would have loved to have at least one place by the end of 10 years, just mm-hmm. one little small place, nothing big. I don't need anything huge, little 800 square foot space. And sure. uh, just do what I enjoy doing and continuously doing that and sharing it. In 10 years, I hope to have been able to share more of what I've been doing. You can't uh, pass on tradition if no one's telling the stories. That's right. So uh, I plan on just to keep telling mine as long as I can. So after we recorded this, I got the incredible opportunity to sample some freshly smoked Phillips barbecue. Now I am a self-proclaimed barbecue aficionado, and I will tell you, this man is onto something. I truly believe that one day Phillips barbecue will be a household name in Atlanta barbecue. And I, for one, cannot wait to see it. But don't take my word for it. You have got to try it for yourself. Follow Phillips Barbecue on Instagram and check out phillipsbarbecue.com to book Rashid for your next event or to find out where he will be delighting crowds in the very near future. Atlanta Born and Brand is a production of Connects Media. We're a full-service digital media company focused on helping small businesses tell their story in the most effective way they can. If you're looking to tell the story of your business, we'd love to help. You can find us at connectatl.com. Special thanks go out to Chris Hilliard, Joshua Pruitt, Mackenzie Bates, and our families who make it all possible. Stay tuned to the show for more stories from the city's top startups and small businessmen and women. You can do that by subscribing in Apple Podcasts or wherever else you happen to be listening. If you like the show, we'd really appreciate a review and a rating. And of course, share it with your friends. Keep up with the show on social media. We're ATL Born Brand on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also like our Atlanta Born and Brand Facebook page. Finally, you can find all the previous episodes of the show on our website, atlborn.com. For Atlanta Born and Brand and Connects Media, I'm Jonathan Hill. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you all soon.